Amen. Listen, I, I feel bad for y'all. Um, you are stuck with the three Ps this morning. I am Puerto Rican. I am Filipino. I had to say it with a P because some of you, if I said Filipino, you're like, that's an F. No, it's a P. It's a, like P, you know, Filipino. And I'm Pentecostal. All right, so those three Ps will get you in a little bit of trouble because, number one, because I'm Puerto Rican, I will probably go over time, right? Uh, number two, because I am uh, Pentecostal, I'm probably going to run and scream a lot. And number uh, three, I'm Filipino, and actually that's just a battle between the two. All right, so that's kind of, they're really calm and, you know, chill. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Casey Casal. I am the district youth director for the state of Florida. If you don't know what that means, I get to... Um, to run uh, and help uh, with our youth ministries within the state. Um, we oversee over 362 churches here in Peninsula, Florida, from Tallahassee to Jacksonville, down to uh, Key West, and even into St. Thomas. That is part of our district. So the cross that we have to bear sometimes is that we have to fly to St. Thomas. The Lord has put us in a difficult position. Amen. And so uh, it has, uh, it's been a, a blessing. Uh, we love to get to go and, and travel to different places, different churches. Um, I know it says youth director, but we actually oversee the, the youth pastors. We get to be pastors to pastors. That is our heart. That's what we love to do. We put on some functions such as fine arts and camp and uh, leaders conferences. I'm sure you guys have heard of the, the, the fine arts program before. Uh, our RISE conference, which we held here three years ago. And uh, we get to do those types of things, and it is so much fun, and, and we love it. My family's here with me this morning. My wife, Lenore, my daughter, Lila, my daughter, Selah, and my son, Judah, are right in the front. Judah loves to throw his hands up. That's the only time he's not shy is when I call. But yet when he meets somebody in person to person, he gets weird. I don't understand. Just pray for that in Jesus' name. Um, and so I would like to thank Pastor Ed and uh, Jody for allowing me to... Uh, share this pulpit this morning. You don't realize how much of an honor it is. I got saved here in Orlando a long time ago, 1997, at Orlando Faith Assembly. That's where I got saved. But I remember passing through here a lot because I was homeless on these very streets. I would walk these streets um, looking for places to stay, looking for benches to sleep on, um, whatever I could do to get food. And it's incredible what the Lord has done. It's incredible how the Lord saved me. He brought me through all of that. And right now I am blessed with the most beautiful, beautiful family. And uh, God is good. Amen? Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. Um, so... I don't, uh, I don't know if you all are movie buffs like I am. I am a movie person. I, I really love watching movies. But there's a, uh, something that, I, that you see. In a, there's one specific movie that I really used to love a lot. Don't judge me for when I say this movie. All right? But the movie was called Scarface. I don't know if you guys ever, you know, some of you are like, I am too holy to watch Scarface. Fine. If you're too holy to watch Scarface, maybe, um, maybe there's another movie with somebody with a scar, Lion King. Okay, there you go. There's G. So we've covered the whole gambit. We've got the children and the holy people and us not so holy people. Amen. So that's who we have this morning. But you see in these movies, these people with scars and scars is always something that kind of shows who you are. Scars will always make you stand out to others. I used to work in a, um, in a criminal law, um, criminal law 
department in New Jersey when I was growing up there. I wanted to be a homicide detective. That was the worst summer of my life trying to enter in there. But I wanted to be a homicide detective. And one of the things they, they, uh, they had me do was I had to write down the description of the of the uh, suspect or the criminal. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a lesson. They already knew what the guy looked like, but I had to write him down. And I remember the the commissioner that was there, the sergeant, she said, you have to be sure that you write down their scars, if they have any scars or anything that makes them stand out, makes them stand out. And so when I was praying about what I wanted to speak on today, I just really felt the Lord lead me uh, to speak on scars. And that's something kind of uh, different, I guess. It's something that that isn't preached on a whole lot. But I want to talk about scars this morning. And when I think about scars, I think of David. I think of David. Now, you all know the story of David and Goliath. Goliath was challenging Israel. We'll just kind of go over this little part of what's happening in this story and then go into the scripture. Goliath was challenging Israel to appoint one of their number to meet him in single combat with the condition, listen to this, with the condition that the people whose champion should be killed should become the slaves of the other. So Goliath came out and he was striking fear. He was placing intimidation in these people. And here comes David, and we'll pick up the story here in 1 Samuel 17, 26. It says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he had spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against him. And then he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, I find that interesting because David started out by saying, what will happen if somebody fights this Philistine? And then he turns around and says, your servant is going to go and fight this Philistine. He switched and he shifted his mindset. Instead of letting somebody else fight his battles, he said, now I'm going to fight the battle. Now I'm going to step in and make a difference. Now I'm going to step in and do something about it. Y'all, that has to be the mindset that we have as Christians, that we cannot rely on somebody else's anointing. We cannot rely on somebody else's prayers. We have to do it ourselves and stay in the gap and know that God has called us to do it. Amen. Amen. Let's keep going. Here we go. We got, a, we, we got some time here. Here we go. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go and fight against this Philistine for you are a youth and he a man of war, a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, 
your servant used both or used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out against it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Father, in Jesus' name, turn our wounds into scars. Amen. So we heard what was said, what David said, but I wondered what it looked like. I kind of thought through it a little bit. What did this look like? We always hear about David fighting the lion and the bear. We always hear about what he did going back and taking this goat out of the lion's mouth. But I thought to myself, my goodness, what kind of scars did David have? He was going against a lion. A lion, you know, let me just describe a lion for you. A male lion is about 420 pounds. 420 pounds from feet to shoulders, they're about four to five feet. That's how big a lion can be. Their claws are, 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 are long and their teeth are sharp. And it didn't say that the, the little goat was in front of the lion. It said that the lion was where? In the mouth, or the, the, the goat was in the mouth of the lion. So he had to get up close and personal with this lion. So there's no doubt he had some scars from this lion. And there was the bear. Listen, the bear was maybe 1,300 pounds. You've seen in the news a couple of times there's, there have been some bear attacks. There's a man recently, you've probably seen, you've seen it go viral. I'm just talking about scars here. My wife knows him. He went swimming in a, uh, or he went to go get some golf balls and an alligator got him and took him and spun him around. That is a man's man. Can I just tell you that? Because he lived. He got out of the, the little pond. He got in a golf cart with his arm hanging and then went all the way to the front, calling 911 with the arm that worked and driving with his knees. Can I just tell you, I would probably die. Like I would just lay down on the golf course and that would not have happened. I would not have thought, let me go ahead and drive with my knees down to and call 911. And if you've ever gone golfing, it's impossible to drive backwards. To drive towards the front of the golf course. You just don't know where you're going. People are hitting. I'm telling you, I would have just passed out right there. But anyway, here's the thing. He had scars. David had significant scars. You don't think that there were markings. And I'm sure with these markings, I'm sure with everything that was on him, I, I'm pretty positive when he walked around in his lifetime, we always look at David as this young strapping man that nothing was wrong with him. I guarantee he was probably a good looking man, but he probably had some scars on him. And he's probably telling people, hey, look, look at this scar. Look at this scar right here. This is when I battled that lion. And look at this one right here. And he maybe took off his, 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 uh, his cloths on his back and he showed, he said, look at this scar right here. This is when I tried to run from the bear after I went and fought. This is what happened with the lion as I was trying. And he, I guarantee he had scars all over his body everywhere he was at because these scars, it's something that he saw on a daily basis that reminded him of the fight, that reminded him of his battle. 
He fought the lion that prepared him for the bear. And he fought a bear that prepared him for a giant. Every battle you go through just prepares you for the next. Listen to me, church. Every battle you go through just prepares you for the next. And you've heard it said that your past doesn't define you. That is true. Your past does not define you. But it absolutely prepares you. It absolutely prepares you. And there are some pasts in this room. There are some difficult circumstances in this room. And there are some giants that you've been facing. Here's a description of the giant. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with the coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield, bearded went, a shield bearer went before him. So you can see this picture of intensity. Intimidation. A nine-foot man with all of this armor, with this javelin. There was somebody that went before him. It was just this big show of who he was and how grand he was. It was a lot more intimidating than the reality. And this is exactly what is happening within our lives. This is exactly what happens within our battles. The devil will always try to make whatever you're facing a lot more intimidating than what is going on. Because he does not want you to trust in what God can bring you through. So he looked intimidating. He looked scary. And David went to the battleground. And when he went to the battleground, he heard all that Goliath listened to the words... All that Goliath was saying and doing. All that he was saying and doing. So the question is, what is your Goliath saying and doing? Is he saying that you can't survive? Is he saying that you can't pay the bills? Is he saying that your marriage will not last? Is he saying that your children will be lost? Is he saying that your job is not worth it? Is he whispering insecurities? Is he telling you that people don't love you? Is he telling you that you are not worthy? Is he telling you that there is no hope? Is he stealing your joy? Is he stealing and killing your dreams? Is he holding your thoughts? What is the devil saying and doing? It's interesting because he was calling them out and the winner would make the other the slaves. The winner would make the other the slave. That's what it says in 1 Samuel. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome it and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve him. So to the winner, the loser becomes the servant. Listen to that. To the winner... The loser becomes a servant. And we're putting this in the perspective of David and Goliath. And we're th our thought process automatically is that Goliath wins. But I don't know about the God that you serve, but my Christ, my Jesus, my Savior died on the cross so that I already have the victory. 
that I've already won, that it's already done. Do y'all know what I'm saying? When he said it is finished on the cross, it was done. It was finished. My victory is here. My hope is here. My healing is here. My trust is here. My joy is here. My family is here. This was it when he said it is finished. My Jesus did it on the cross. He did not die on the cross so that Satan can say and do in your life. He died on the cross so that he can say and do in your life. So that he can say you're victorious. So that he can say you're healed. So that he can say you're delivered. So that he can say your children will be saved. So that he can say he will provide. So that he can say you will be righteous. So that he can say you will be holy. So that he can say you can stand and worship. So that he can say I am the victor in Jesus' name. What was done on the cross is still done today. Church, live in victory. We live in victory. It's important to remember your scars because your scars show your victory. Here's some things that your scars do. They tell a story. Your servant would keep the father's sheep and he spoke about how he defeated the lion and he defeated the bear and the scars tell a story. I have scars. I'm sure some of you have scars. Some of you have scars on you that you tell people about. I have a scar um, on my knee from a, from a football accident and arthroscopic surgery. I always make my kids, I have staples right there underneath my scar. And to gross them out, I'm like, here, touch my scar. Touch my staples. I don't know why they still touch it and they go, ew. <laughs> like they know it, but they still do. We have the scars. I, I have a scar on my hand from when I got into a fight when I was younger and I was stabbed. Scar on my hand from that. I have a scar on um, my lip from when I got into a fight when I was younger. I was a real bad kid. All right, when I got into a fight when I was younger and I kicked in the mouth with steel toe Timberland boots. And my lip was, uh, you don't even need to worry about that. I have a scar on my leg. My mom, uh, I don't know why, but she always held a safety pin on her shirt. I just, I don't know if that was a Puerto Rican thing or just a weird mom thing. But she would hold the safety pin and she, the one day she went to pick me up, the safety pin was popped open and it scraped across the side of my leg and I started bleeding or whatever. And I still, and that was like when I was five or six and I still have the scar. There's always some scars that we have, but um, some of you have scars that people cannot see. There are some emotional scars that you have gone through. There's some issues that you've been dealing with. It's powerful though. The, there's something so powerful about your scars because your scars really are a testimony. Not a wound. Listen, I'm not talking wound because wounds are still open. I'm talking scars because scars are something that's been healed. And your scars tell a story. There's a, it's called your testimony. Because the devil is defeated by the blood of the lamb, the victory, and by the word of your testimony. And by the word of your testimony, they, scars show where you've come from. Scars show the hell that you've been through in your life. You've been through battle, Psalms 18, 39, for you equip me with strength for the battle. 
For the battle, you made those rise against me sink under me. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a battle. There's a fight. There's a fight. And I know some of you, you've, you've been going through some, some fights, multiple fights in your life, multiple wrestling moments. I, I, um, when I was younger in high school, my freshman year, I was asked to wrestle. Now, it was a freshman year, and I have never wrestled in my life. Actually, my only, my only point of reference for wrestling was WWF. Okay, so I thought in my mind that the wrestling was going to be like that. Like I was going to come into music, I could wear a mask or something. So I went to my first wrestling now I started wrestling because my my drafting teacher Mr. Patrice he said Casey I've seen you play football you, you do well in football but um you need uh, I want you to wrestle I, I think wrestling is going to really help you play football and I'm like I just don't understand that he goes just trust me all right fine I'll come in I'll get my mask it'll be awesome you know and so I get to the to the first practice and um it was just horrific, okay? It was the worst possible. It, here's the thing. I know that I'm saved. I love Jesus with all my heart and soul. But should something ever happen and I ever go to hell, the hell would be wrestling practice. That's exactly what would happen for sure because it was nothing but running and lifting up mats and just the worst possible exertion of, of effort. When I was younger, I was a pretty large kid. I mean, I was, I was living... I was living large, okay? My mom, she, she would give me cafe con leche when I was five years old, y'all, and sugar and water. Puerto Rican moms do not like their children skinny. That is, that is for them, that is the worst part. That is demonic, okay? Do you understand that? It is demonic. People think you're abusing your child if you have a skinny child, okay? So when I was a child, people definitely knew my mom was not abusive, all right? Let's just say that. Because, so... I go in and I was pretty heavy dude, you know, in high school. And they're like weight classes when you wrestle. 120, 130, 140, 170, 180. And then they get to stop counting. Then they're like, okay, everybody else is heavyweight. All right. That's because they're tired of counting. I was in the tired of counting section. All right. So they handed me a, um, it's, I always called it a unitard, but it's actually called a singlet. It's called a singlet. For a guy who was a heavyweight that was five foot four, it is the most traumatic thing to wear in front of an assembly of people, just throwing that out there. So I would go out there and he said, it's okay, Kate, just go. And I wrestled and I had, I think, 21 matches. 21 of those matches, how many do you feel, do you think that I won? Okay. None. If anybody guessed zero, give an applause for yourself. Zero. That's how many. Oh, come, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement, everybody. Like, yeah, I definitely knew that he, it's obvious he didn't win a match. All right, so thank you so much. We'll pray for you later. All right, so, so we go in and, I mean, I, I did. I lost every single match. Fast forward to football season, I found when, when I played football, that's my, my sophomore year, I was faster, I was stronger, I was better. People were scared. I mean, it was an awesome time. 
The reason was because all the hell that I went through, all the difficulties that I went through in my wrestling time, even though I lost, all that I went through made me better for what was coming in the future. Y'all listen, what you're going through now, you might be wondering, God, why am I going through this difficult circumstance? Why am I going through the trial and through the tribulation? Why am I going through the fire? And God's like, just be patient with me because something's coming and you're going to be better. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be faster. I'm telling you in Jesus name what you are going through now is just preparing you for what's coming don't fret don't fret you don't realize it but today you're gonna go home with a story because God's gonna heal some wounds God's gonna heal some wounds Speaking of wounds, I know that you guys are, you're going and you're sharing stories and you're, you're going to talk, um, give people the tickets for Easter at our house here and you're going and putting things in your yards. Can I just say to speak about your scars and not speak about your wounds? Maybe the reason people aren't coming to church is because we talk more and give more glory to our wounds than we do our scars. Maybe it's because we're giving more glory to the devil than we do Jesus because we talk about our problems on Facebook. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm get up there and type. I just don't know why I have to go, whatever. Don't do it. Give glory to God. Go back and your scars tell a story. Tell a story. You don't, you don't realize how powerful it is. What I love about this is when Saul looked at him, he just saw who he was from the outside. and He just saw who he was from the outside. He saw this little boy, this little kid, this little child. You can't do this, David. But he said, oh, no, you don't know about my scars. You don't know about my scars. You don't know about my pain. And the devil tries to do the same thing to you. Oh, you're not going to survive this. Some of you need to look at the devil and say, you don't know my scars. You don't know about the divorce that I went through. You don't know about the disease that I went through. You don't know about all that I've been through in my life. You don't know about my wounds. You don't know about my pains. Some of you are in here. Your wound is going to turn into a scar in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say that scar looks good on you because your scar gives you character. Your scar gives you character. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. This is Romans 5. For we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Endurance helps us develop strength and character, character. I, I was in El Salvador uh, a couple years ago and we were walking, we work with the MS-13 gangs and 18th Street gangs when we go to El Salvador on our mission trips. And we were going down there, and I remember walking into one area, uh, this is when I was a youth pastor, I walked into one area, 
And uh, it was a heavy MS-13 gang site, heavy MS-13. They had the, the symbols on the wall. It was, it was terrifying, but I, you know, I, it was, you know, we had been to different places like this before, and I'm like, okay, we'll be okay. And we're walking, and I see that there's a little fenced-in area and only one entrance, no exit. And there's a, uh, a young man, or not a young man, actually an older gentleman, who was standing there at that gate entrance, and he was about this tall. He was a little guy, real, real little. Um, standing there and he was just, I saw him like talking to students as they walked in. And I'm looking at him from a different distance and I see that he's real little. I'm like, oh, look at this cute little guy. Oh, bendito, look at him. Right, so, you know, you just kind of see him because he's so little and I'm looking at him and I'm watching him and he's tiny and I'm looking and the closer I get, the closer I get, I start to see his face. And on his face, he has a big giant scar from the top from the top left to the bottom right of his chin. I mean, all the way across. And he had 18 or, or 13s tattooed on his cheeks, on his forehead, on his neck. Yo, when you have a 13 tattooed on your face, that means it's somebody you've, you've killed. So I know at least this guy has killed four people. I don't even know what he has under his clothes, right? So I'm like, well, we know. There's four, right? So I see the scar, and the scar is intimidating me. I'm like, I don't. So I, just like any good youth pastor, I had all the other students go ahead of me. And I said, guys, just go ahead. Just move ahead. It's fine. You'll be all right. All right so they all started moving ahead, and I start walking behind, and I start going a little slower. And I'm like, this guy, and he had a lean to him, too. I don't know if he had a scar even on the side. He's just a little. And I said, what are you doing? What is this guy doing? All the kids are going by, and I am so scared. I'm literally shaking at this point. I'm shaking because I'm thinking, I'm the leader. They're going to go after me. He's going to have another really large 13 on his back because he's going to kill this guy, right? So I get up there, and when I see him, I thought for sure, 100%, that he was going to pull out a gun. I just know it was going to happen. So when I get up there, I look at him. All the fear trembling within me. I look at him, and here's what he does. He goes, hola, como estas? That's all he said right in that moment. I was like, excuse me? I thought you were going to kill me, bro. Hola, como estas? See you, bro. High five. Yes, this is awesome. But here's the thing. When I saw the scar, I was so intimidated because I know that that guy did not get that scar by eating a pupusa, right? I know that he did not get a scar from eating something like the knife accidentally or the fork. I know that. He definitely got the scar by fighting. And chances are, if you get a scar like that across your face, the other person, and you're the one that's alive, right? You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, there's no doubt that there, that's probably the 13 up there. I'm pretty positive that's one of the 13s. I knew for sure, but there was so much intimidation because that scar gave him the character and that character, I know in my heart, he is a violent man, he is a scary man, and I'm scared of him because of that scar. Guys, do you understand what I'm saying as Christians whose victory was on the cross? When we have a scar on our face, the devil has to be intimidated by the scars that are on our bodies because he knows that we have been through 
through it and that God has healed us. We have to have a church that goes home in the middle of your divorce and you have to know that you have a scar and the devil has to run. You need to go in your child's room and you need to say, I have a scar from all the hell that I've been through. And devil, you have no hand on my child. You have no hand on my finances. You have no hand on my children. You have no hand on my marriage. You have no hand on my insecurity, on my fear, on my intimidation. Because my Jesus died on the cross. He was victorious on the cross. And I have a scar. And I am healed in the name of Jesus. We need a church that is victorious and not weak. We need a church that is victorious and know what Jesus has done for them in Jesus' name. Scars tell your story. The worship team can come up. Scars give you strength. He said this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Uncircumcised is important to understand there. Without getting too graphic, circumcised means that there was no, or there was a covenant of protection. Uncircumcised means that there was no protection. Simple. When he looked at his giant, he said, you don't have protection, but I do. You don't have anybody behind you, but I do. You don't have anybody helping you, but I do. You don't have anybody saving you, but I do. That is what he's saying in the middle of this. This is the reason why he could stand up in the middle of that battlefield, no matter how giant that giant was, no matter how intimidating that giant was, he was able to stand up in the middle of it and say, come on, bring it on. I know you have the armor. I know you look intimidating. You have the javelin. You have that dumb helmet. You have it all. I got five rocks, son. Bring it now because I know who's got my back because this little rock that I have is is gonna kill you my friend that javelin's not gonna do nothing that spear's not gonna do nothing but my rock you're done you're done there's strength in it there's strength and scars help you stand the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion he's gonna deliver me and Saul said to David go and the Lord be with you I can't stress the importance of just staying where you're at. Just staying and trusting. David did not run. David did not run, church. He stood in the middle of the valley. He stood in the middle of the valley knowing that he was going to be victorious. I heard something recently about valleys. And we read and there was a professor that was talking to us and he was talking about how we read in Psalm 23, yea though I walk in the valley. Valleys are always between two mountains, Psalm 22. Psalm 22 starts off with the same exact words that Jesus spoke on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the very end of Psalm 22 says it is finished or it is done. 
That was not a psalm in Psalm 22. It was not a psalm of depression and sadness, but it was actually a psalm of victory because of what Jesus was about to do on the cross. Psalm 24 is all about resurrection because the valley was in between the cross and resurrection. David was in the middle of the valley and the victory was coming. I'm telling you right now, church, this morning, that you might be in the valley, but you're, you're, you're caught between the cross and the resurrection. You're in the middle of victory and God's about to deliver you from it. I don't know what you're battling with. I don't know what you're dealing with, but you can stand against it. You might go home and those situations are still going to be the same. But when you came here this morning, that situation cut you. That situation caused a wound. But you're going to go back and you're going to see that situation still there. But you say, you know what? I just have a scar and God's going to deliver me from it. I have no, no fear in it. You're going to have scars. You're going to have scars that are going to allow you to stand against the enemy and what he's trying to do. David was able to stand against the giant. You'll stand against the giant. David was able to stand in a storm and you're going to stand in the storm. You're going to be able to stand against the enemy. Because I trust in my word when it says no weapon formed against me will prosper in the name of Jesus. So today put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That's Ephesians 6.11. Now here's what happened that day. And this is how I want to end and I want to be able to pray with you this morning. But there was a battle line that was drawn there during that time. You used to watch it when you were younger and, you know, the old Bugs Bunny shows or even war shows, what they would do is they would draw a line in the battlefield. The enemy would draw a line in the battlefield. And when you cross that line, what did that mean? It means that you are ready to fight. You're ready to fight. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And if maybe somebody can grab this pulpit. Just remember what Second Chronicles, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. But if you say today, this morning, I want to fight. I need to fight for my marriage. I need to fight for my healing. The prayer team can make their way up. I need to fight for my healing. I need to fight for my children. I need to fight for my marriage. I need to fight for my finances. I need to fight. I need to fight. I just believe that God wants to heal and touch and deliver you this morning. So there's a battle line that the enemy has drawn and that battle line is right here in the front of this altar. But what warriors used to do is they used to cross the battle line and say, I'm ready to fight and I'm going to fight for this. Can we be symbolic this morning? Can you just close your eyes all across this place? All across this place. And if you say, Casey, that is me this morning. I need to fight. And I'm going to mention something, and as I mention it, I just want you to raise your hand. We're going to show the enemy that you're not scared. If you need to fight for your marriage, you can raise your hand. If you need to fight for your children, go ahead and raise your hand. If you need to fight for your healing in your body today, go ahead and raise your hand. 
If you need to fight for your finances this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. If you need to fight for your job this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. If you need to fight for an unsaved loved one, go ahead and raise your hand all across this place in Jesus' name. With those hands lifted, can you do me a favor? Can you just walk, if you're physically able, from where you're at and come up here to these altars? Go ahead and step out. Those of you who have your hands raised, thank you. Thank you. All across the back, thank you. Thank you. Make your way up here. Thank you. Thank you. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. There's a battle line that the enemy has drawn. And today, this morning, you're declaring, I believe in Jesus' name, that there are people the minute you cross this altar, you're going to be healed. There are people the minute you cross this altar, something's going to happen to your children where they're at. And God's going to tug on their heart. When you cross this altar, God's going to begin to provide in your mind. When you cross this altar, God's going to deliver you from depression. When you cross this altar, God's going to lift the anxiety. When you cross this altar, God's going to deliver you from fear. When you cross this altar, God is going to give you boldness and courage like you have never had in your life in Jesus' name. Don't stop coming. Don't give the enemy any victory today. Let him know you're ready to fight. Let him know that there's a battle this morning. Go ahead and make your way up. There's still some. You can come up. Come up closer. Come up closer. We have prayer workers that are still open. Don't stop coming this morning. Jesus, Jesus, he had Jesus, there's still room, there's still people, these altars don't, Jesus. I love what it said in 1 Samuel 17, how this scripture, I know some of you weren't physically able to make it up here, and there's some things that you're going through, but listen to me. I thought about what we could do at the end of the message to make it a powerful closing. A strong closing. I thought about maybe putting up a video clip. But when you read 1 Samuel 17, 45, there is probably the most powerful charge right there. Almost a violent charge because at some point, you have got to get fed up with what the devil is doing in your life. At some point, you've got to get angry. Stop crying over it and start stomping your feet. Stop crying and weeping over it and put your head up and your chest out and know that this scripture here, listen, this is a violent scripture. 1 Samuel 17, then David, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. Y'all listen, he is talking about 
cutting off the enemy's head. In other words, it is finished. It is done. This is a violent message to the enemy this morning. It is not fluff. We need a church to get violent against the devil. We need a church to get violent of what he's doing at your home. We need a church to get violent against what he's doing to your children. In Jesus' name, let's be a violent church against the enemy and trust in what Jesus has done. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church. Why don't you give God glory this morning? Can you lift your hands all across this place and let them know that you are ready for the fight. Let them know that you are ready for the battle. Let them know that this is a violent moment. You're going home with scars. You came in with wounds. But my God is healing you this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.